When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And Brett, Arizona men's basketball is back. Right? Were, were they ever actually gone, Adam? I, it depends on who you talk to. Obviously, they had lost a couple. Of, they lost you know, to Stanford, and that was disappointing. And I thought, it was like, we kind of said, if they just come back and beat Colorado, beat Utah, it's like all is forgiven to a degree. They did that. And Colorado was missing a couple of key guys. Arizona took it to them. Utah was just not particularly good. Arizona took it to them as well, especially in the second half. Caleb Love was named Pac-12 Player of the Week for his efforts. Like Arizona looked like Arizona again against teams that like this is, goes back to the Pac-12s not very good, and those were two like the better Pac-12 teams. Like Arizona's legitimately good; they should beat them, especially at home. But it's nice to see Arizona take care of business because they didn't do that against Stanford. Right, the focus wasn't there. Did the Cardinal wake up Arizona? Maybe. Maybe that was the early season wake-up call. If FAU wasn't it, if Purdue wasn't the wake-up call, maybe Stanford was. But either way, Arizona basketball looked like Arizona basketball. Yeah, I, I mean, not only did they beat Colorado and Utah, they beat the hell out of them. And, they, you know, they, I think it ended up being a combined 66 points, and it could have been more had they kept the foot on the gas against yeah. Utah because I think they were up 30-plus most of that, that uh, especially late. Um but Colorado, they almost like doubled up. Colorado hit a three pointer, I think, at the buzzer. That was like ninety. They were up by fifty, and they hit a three pointer to make it just forty seven. It's like it's like the Bizarro Stanford game where they hit a late three to get to fifty <laughs> instead of a hundred. I remember um, I, was, I was actually mad. I'm like, damn it, I want them to win by fifty. Not that it matters, but fifty just sounds like that's so just rude to beat someone by fifty. And I wanted that for Arizona against Colorado. I did. We beat them. We beat them by forty seven. Like a gentleman. <laughs> a gentleman's 47. <laughs> I mean, no, it was, I mean, and, 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 you know, Colorado's a pretty darn good team. They were missing some guys, but, like, that's, you know. I don't care who you're oh, missing. You're a, a pretty good team. K.J. Simpson's a good player. Lampkin's a guy who wanted revenge against Arizona. Arizona shouldn't beat them by 47 unless Arizona just, you know, does that, yeah. what they did in that game. And it wasn't anything crazy special. You know, Arizona was 11 of 23, but it wasn't like they were living at the three-point line. They just played a very good game, just 11 turnovers. The rebounding was there. The shooting overall was there. It was just a really good performance from Arizona in that game against Colorado. And they did it again against Utah. Yeah, and Utah's not a bad team either. They're, I mean, they've had a – what's their record now? They're, they're, they're doing pretty well overall. They're 11 and 4 now, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, it's these are the kind of games that Arizona should win. I wouldn't necessarily have – you know, bet on them. You know, if you put the over under at 46 and a half, I probably would have taken Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, we, I think we were here on the show saying, Hey, it's, it's okay to be concerned. It's not time to panic. It's one game. And like, just, and I think we even said like, wouldn't it be worth, would you feel better about beating Stanford and losing to Colorado? Yeah. Uh, You know, it's just, it's, it's a reminder to not panic. Uh, And I just, I did just look it up. Utah's, 31 in Ken Palm, and they beat them real handily, and Colorado's at 32, right? I think the thing to keep in mind is, like, we can't go in and say the Pectel's not very good, Arizona should cruise, and then get all excited every time Arizona beats a Pac-12 team, especially at home. Like, these are not, by the time the season ends, I don't expect Utah to be a particularly great win. Like, maybe quad two, you know, same with Colorado. Like, they're decent teams, but they're the types of teams that, especially at home, Arizona should beat, and probably beat comfortably, because Arizona... I still think is that level of good. They're Final Four caliber good. 
those other teams are not. Most of the Pac-12 is not, which is why I think the Stanford loss was so disappointing. Never mind the fact that they lost, but they lost big to a team that's not very good. It's not like this was one of the better Pac-12 teams. Is you are Utah and Colorado some of the better Pac-12 teams? Maybe. You know, USC scares me slightly more. UCLA's been not good, but they always scare me. They play Arizona tough. Oregon kind of the same. And then ASU, obviously, they're off to a good start in conference play. Like, are any of these guys actually good? I have a hard time saying that. Just because, I, I mean, I don't watch them, admittedly. But just Arizona has the pieces. And they had the pieces after they lost to Stanford. They had the pieces now after they won these two games at home against the Mountain Schools. Like, they should win these games, right? They should go to Washington State this weekend and beat the Cougars. Like, somewhat easily. Yeah, I, I mean, this is where... It's, I'll put it this way. It's easier. It's more likely for a team like Stanford to upset an Arizona in a season than it is for a team like Arizona to go undefeated and not have any losses like Stanford in a season. Right. That's fair. Now it's, now it's, if you lose to Stanford and then you lose to Wazoo and then like, you know, the Colorado and Utah games, those will mean a lot more when they're on the road. Right. Mm -hmm. If you win those games, those are road games are always tough, no matter who you're playing. Yeah, And especially those ones at elevation, they're always tough places to play. Um, You know, it's, and that's why you, you can raise an eyebrow at that Stanford game, but also it was like the nonsense of them, you know, shooting. It was silliness. Yeah. Beyond all recognition of just making everything they threw up. Um, But, and, 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 and these teams are still figuring them their, their themselves out. Right. Um, You know, I've, I was just curious, and since I had Ken Palm up at him, uh, you know, you said ASU's off to a good start. I think they're in the standings in Pac-12. They're at, at, they're undefeated in Pac-12. They are. still, right? You know where their Ken Palm rating is? Probably somewhere in, like, the 70s. 100. Oh. 19, 19 spots behind Stanford. I imagine so it's their that. offense holding them back because they don't run any. They they only guard you, Adam. Right? That's how that's, that's, <laughs> but that, that's how that was I, that's, it's like it's still early in the conference season, but I don't think there's too many teams that are surprisingly good, like legitimately good, which can happen. Colorado <laughs> might be the closest because KJ Simpson's having an excellent season, and when they're healthy, have all their players, they should be a pretty good team. Which is why when the return trip to the Mountain Schools, you know, is going to be interesting for Arizona because that is going to be a tough one. It's already it's always tough, no matter how good each of these teams are. But both of them can be challenging. But just this is the problem Arizona's going to have, and the losses are going to feel worse than the wins will feel good for the most part. And feelings don't matter. Right? <laughs> like feelings mm-hmm. don't matter. But in terms of the vibes, how people navigate these next couple months, that, yeah, you're going to be satisfied with wins. If they're blowouts, you'll feel like, okay, that was fun. If they're close, you're like, ooh, that's a relief. But a loss is going to be the end of the world because these teams aren't particularly good. Yeah, like, you beat you beat the hell out of a decent Colorado team, and people are the positive vibes for that are way less in the minds of Arizona fans in the narrative than the loss to Stanford by eighteen. And I get it, it though, because when you're Arizona, when you're looking at yourself as a Final Four team, you're I think they were number four in the country when they lost to Stanford. Like that's a, it was a bad loss. They lost by eighteen, and it wasn't even that close. So. That's the problem. That's I mean, that's always the case for Arizona basketball, men's basketball, when like when they're that good, is that the losses do seem to mean more than the wins, especially when they're not wins against like like a good UCLA team, like top ten matchup or something. And unfortunately for Arizona, there's not another ranked team on their schedule right now. Could that change? Yes, it's possible that by the time the season ends, like Colorado maybe slips into the top twenty five if they go on a nice little run. ASU if they keep winning games somehow, maybe they can slip in there. I don't know, but as of right now. There's not another top 25 team on the schedule. Like that, that's rough. That's not Arizona's fault, which is why mm-hmm. the non-conference winning the games, you know, having Duke, having Michigan State, having Wisconsin, playing Purdue, Alabama, FAU was so important because those games aren't going to be there in the conference play. Like conference games will be tough, especially on the road, but not because the other team is just supremely talented. They won't be tournament yeah. tough. They'll just be Pac-12 road game tough because you're going to get every team's best shot. Yeah, and if you're an Arizona fan, you need to suddenly shudder to think, become like a Wisconsin fan, so that win looks better, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that Duke does well, Ugh. but you know it helps Arizona. You know, the, but it's it's the conference play is always its own animal. There's and playing on the road is always hard. You know, ASU is doing ASU things where they are inexplicably terrible with 
awful losses and then beat some teams in inconsistent and like it's a it's gonna be inexplicable a ways game. too that they're winning some of these games like coming back in the second half but hey wins are wins yeah it's you know you you, play, you beat the teams put in front of you and arizona got an early lesson in conference play to not take teams lightly and know that you know like you said that this is every team's super bowl when they're playing arizona especially when they are clearly the best team mm-hmm. uh, i mean oregon has looked pretty good so far and never count out data altman oregon nope. teams as they go through the season so that could end up being a, you know, they could sneak into a ranked position, maybe if things go a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's for Arizona, it's it is as it always is. If they play to the best of their abilities, they should run the table. Yeah, right? they should beat any pretty anyone they would ever play if they play to the best of their abilities. But because I think they are that good, like we've and seen it. it. Yeah, like, even even that Stanford game, if Arizona played their to the best of their abilities, even if Stanford shoots that well. If Arizona plays to the best of their abilities, they still maybe win that game despite Possibly. the shooting. Possibly. So, <laughs> nice nice home sweep over the Mountain Schools. Obviously, very comfortable victories. Colorado especially comfortable. And it's never it's never upsetting to see Ted Bull be upset on the sidelines there because he still wears suits, and I don't, I'm not a fan. I've said it many times. I think one of the best things to happen was like basketball coaches not wearing suits anymore on the sideline. Yeah. You don't have to do it. Bobby Hurley wears a suit. Like, get over yourself. Anyway, moving on real quick. Women's basketball, of course, they had a really intense homestand against the Mountain Schools as well. Uh, Dia Barnes' team lost by one to number five Colorado and then beat Utah, number 15 Utah, by one. You know, some free throws late there. Kind of rings reminds me, was it last year when Utah had those free throws or something at the yeah, end? It's I, like, I'm I not saw gonna... some. I saw some Utah fans making some comments. It's like, oh, how the turntable. <laughs> <laughs> I think Utah's athletic director, I forget his name, but he tweets and like, we all know what happened. It's like, yeah, we've been here before. It is the, now the shoe's on the other foot. It's not fun to lose on free throws. But like, if there's one team I'm not going to feel bad for, one team I'm not going to feel bad for when it comes to Arizona women's basketball, it's Utah in that situation. Because, yeah, we've seen it. It was brutal. But, of course, I know Idea Barnes, like, they lost some players. They've talked about the seven-person rotation, kind of slimming it down. That We'll see how that goes. But we'll, we'll get into some women's basketball in the coming days, too, in the coming, not days, but the weeks ahead. You know, we have some good guests we can talk about that because it's a pretty good team that's off to a very interesting start this season. And hopefully for them, the last weekend, playing those two top 25 teams as tough as they did and winning one of those games can be a springboard, the confidence booster for them as they get into the heart of conference play. Because like, there's no reason to think, yeah, we talk a lot about Arizona men's basketball. There's no reason to think that Arizona women's basketball can't be a factor this season. So, you know, it's a, we're, Arizona's a basketball school for everybody. <laughs> it's we ex- have high expectations for that team too. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the curse of high expectations as a basketball school, but we're moving even beyond that, Adam. We're in every every sports school these days with football success. Indeed. And Brett, let's take a break and we come back. Let's talk some football with Justin Spears of the Arizona Daily Star, the Wildcaster app, Spears and Ali, just all the different things. It's Justin Spears. He'll be with us on Wildcat Radio 2.0 after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are joined by Justin Spears, whose title could just go on and on and on, and I don't want to butcher it and leave something out. Justin, a radio guy, beat reporter for Arizona football, all-around great guy. Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. What's up, guys? Good to see you. Now that the season's over with, I'm uh, glad to be here to chop it up with you guys. It's been one hell of a season, man. Well, you you say the Alamo Bowl win, crazy. You say that the season's over with, but since the Alamo Bowl, Alamo Bowl win, there's been the transfer portal. There's Johnny Nansen going to Texas. Like, it's not like Arizona football has stopped with the Alamo Bowl. Like the 2023 season, yes, but Arizona football, no. No, not at all. And you know, I think that the transfer portal is a unique thing uh, for the Wildcats because you know Jed Fish has always viewed it as uh, as free agency. He's built up the roster to a point now where he doesn't have to live and die by the transfer portal. Uh, so in terms of activity, like bringing guys in, it's been very quiet. 
but also i think it also uh, the the con or the continuity the the camaraderie that arizona has right now i think it speaks volumes that i mean the season's been over with for nearly two weeks now and you don't have a bunch of guys entering the portal now jacob kangaika transferring to asu that was a very interesting move on on his behalf uh, i'm not really sure what all went into that decision. I think he was just looking for a more prominent role, more playing time. And certainly ASU has uh, that to offer to him. Um, but man, outside of the transfer portal, uh, it's been very quiet with the exception of uh, Johnny Nansen. And that to me was a little bit of a shocker just because he had only been really the, the play caller as a, like a defensive coordinator for two years um, going over to Texas, I understand the the connection with Steve Sarkeesian, but he's also a co-defensive coordinator. Um, you know, Johnny Nansen eventually will be able to talk about his decision and why he went to Texas, but um, I really thought Johnny was going to stick around for another year and see things all the way through, but apparently the offer at Texas was just too nice to offer or to turn down. Well, you know, I don't even see where he needs to explain himself, right? Because it is Texas. It is a top-five program. They're going to the SEC. He has a connection. I'm sure the money's good, and there's probably more – I guess, prestige with being a co-defense coordinator at Texas than the defensive coordinator at Arizona, at least for now. Similar with Kangaika leaving, it's like, yeah, if the playing time is going to be at ASU, go there, right? Do what's best for you if you're not going to get on the field as much in Tucson. Isn't both of those guys leaving a sign of the strength of where Arizona football is at right now? Because, you know, Johnny Nansen could have be best friends with Steve Sarkeesian, doesn't get the Texas offer if Arizona did have a good season with a good defense. And even Kangaika goes to the portal, and I think most people, if he'd gone anywhere but ASU, would be like, yeah, good for you, good luck in your next adventure. Yeah. But either way, he goes to ASU, a Power 5 program technically still. You know, he goes there because they think he can contribute and be a quality player. Like, that's a good sign for Arizona that their people, their coaches, their players are in demand. Yeah, and especially uh, Johnny. You know, I knew that he was going to be on a lot of teams' radars, uh, teams that were looking for a new defensive coordinator and the fact the fact that he wasn't one of 15 finalists for the Broyles award which is given to the top college assistant is just asinine uh, this guy is one of the top assistants in college football and the the job that he did with the defense from year one to year two it, it's pretty remarkable I mean Arizona was like a turnstile defense in 2022 they had one of the worst rushing units in, in college football they couldn't stop a nosebleed. And then you fast forward it to this past season, Arizona's not only stopping the run, but they're holding teams to just over 20 points per game where the year prior they were giving up 36 per game. Every single category defensively, Arizona got significantly better at. Now, it, it isn't just all Johnny Nansen, right? Johnny Nansen's going to get all the credit because he's head honcho and he's the guy who's overseeing the entire defense. He deserves a lot of credit. Don't get me wrong. But it was also a collaborative effort on the entire staff with John Richardson, the cornerbacks coach, with Chuck Cecil uh, helping out in the secondary, uh, and Dwayne Aquina, who is probably the leader in the clubhouse to take over as defensive coordinator, uh, the, the man who's been a defensive coordinator at the highest level under Dick Tomey at Arizona, won a national championship as a defensive coordinator at the University of Texas. So if there's any guy who's got the resume – to be a de the next defensive coordinator at Arizona, it's Dwayne Aquina. Now, that being said, Johnny Nansen did coach linebackers. Is Dwayne Aquina going to coach linebackers? What are they going to do with that position? Um, do they make Dwayne Aquina co-defensive coordinator and bring in somebody who's got the recruiting chops to help out linebackers and also help out recruiting? Um, the one name that I think could really uh, emerge, and this isn't sourced by any means, but I'm looking at possible candidates and, you know, Joe Salavea, of course, being the former Arizona Wildcat, that's one name that I think uh, could really, you know, make an impact in Arizona. And I'll, uh, don't sleep on uh, Peter Hansen, uh, who coached with Dwayne Aquina at Stanford and is now the linebackers coach for the Carolina Panthers. So you have an, a guy who's coached at the highest level at the, at the college level and also the NFL, and he coached linebackers. And Peter Hansen was also a tight end at the University of Arizona. So he's got the resume, in my opinion, uh, that makes him a qualified defensive coordinator. But the one thing about Jet Fish is that he spent a lot of years 
coaching college football, coaching in the NFL, he's met a lot of people in this business. And he's going to get the guy that he thinks will be the right play caller. And you know what? Once upon a time, a lot of people were like, ah, Johnny Nansen, who is this guy? You know, he's never really been a defensive coordinator. Well, let's see what he's got. Two years later, he's leaving Arizona to go to the University of Texas. So I think I trust Jet Fish and company with this decision. You know, one thought I had just to keep on the Johnny Nansen replacement, and I hope it's not necessary. I hope this thought is just, you know, in and out. It doesn't matter. But it almost feels like the next defensive corner hire maybe needs to be like a head coach in waiting as well. Not that Jed Fish is leaving, but if you look at the staff right now, I don't think anyone looks at Brennan Carroll and says that guy could take over for Jed if Jed was to leave. Could the defensive coordinator maybe be a guy who says, okay, because you want the continuity, you want to keep guys, and if the defensive coordinator does a good job, it's like, okay, that's the next head coach at Arizona. Is that kind of what this hire, I don't think Jed Fish is worried about hiring someone who could be a head coach, but is that something maybe we should look at and say, hopefully this guy that they do bring in can be the next head coach if they need to be the next head coach? Hey, don't sleep on Brandon Carroll becoming head coach now. You think? Honestly, I really think so. Uh, I think at first that wasn't the case because – He's been a long. He's been an assistant for a long time now, but his dad has been a head coach for so many years. And people who I've talked to who are close to the Carroll family, you know, they've told me like, "Hey, Brennan, Brennan's trying to become a head coach at some point in his career. Uh, whenever that is, I don't know, but he's he's going to be a, a guy to, to keep an eye on in becoming a head coach. And when San Diego State, when that job opened up, people. We're looking at maybe Brennan Carroll or Jimmy Doherty, the quarterback's coach. Um, so I think that there are some guys who probably want to be a head coach someday currently on Arizona staff. Uh, but for the next guy in, in charge, um, I think Jed has an idea. And I think basically what it is is a great play caller, but also a guy who can recruit at the same time. Because at the, when it's all said and done, you got to be able to get – the guys in here and Johnny Nansen had a pretty strong impact on recruiting and brought in uh, a bunch of Polynesian players and had a very strong presence recruiting, you know, players from the Polynesian community. So you want to be able to still maintain that. And I think that uh, the next hire will definitely have some of those parts to their resume. Yeah, I think it's it's becoming an interesting offseason for Arizona football with the Johnny Nansen news. And like you said, Justin, I remember 12 months ago when half of the Arizona fan base or more wanted him fired, and now they all don't want him <laughs> to leave. Um, and that was maybe like, you know, every Jed Fish offseason has been a, a delight for Arizona fans. And this, you know, last offseason, I think that was probably the, the blemish in a lot of fans' eyes in the narrative game, which Adam knows how much I love the narrative game in, in college athletics. But it seems like that narrative so far this offseason, despite all the good vibes, uh, you know, with Nansen leaving, with Ken Geica leaving, you know, a middling high school, you know, relatively small class, only a few transfers that seem like nice plug and play type guys or, you know, have some have some upside, but nothing that's nothing that's exciting where the narrative is a little is a little off right now. You're closer to the program and and, and probably a little more sourced. Uh, you know, as, as we're heading into like the dark period before spring, spring ball, what's your perspective on this off season for Jed Fish in Arizona? Obviously the contract extension hangs on the hang in the balance, but it seems like there's not, you know, a lot of that positive narrative is, has, has faded away at least so far. Well, and if, of course it's because Arizona football, they feel like they're relevant again at the, in the national landscape. And when Texas comes in, and steals away Johnny Nansen, you're almost kind of humbled by by where you're at in college football. You know, Arizona is a really good team, but are they in the conversation with the big hitters that have deep pockets and resources and all these boosters and all the resources that you would want? Uh, Arizona, again, they're a really good team, but they're also – humbly reminded of, of where they stand in the college football pecking order. And this is why it's so important for Jed Fish to get his contract and not only get his contract, but also increase the salary pool. So that way the assistant coaches can stay and they would have to think twice or three times before leaving. Uh, you know, if a school comes over and waves a blank check in their face and says, Hey, you can come over and, 
coach the same position group, but you'll be making $200,000 more. Does that sound like a deal? Arizona wants to be able to keep their assistant coaches in place. And, you know, we've been talking about Jed Fish's contract for months now. I mean, once Arizona went on this tear and became bowl eligible and became ranked and was in the, the CFP rankings conversation, once that happened, people started clamoring for Jed Fish to get his contract extension. I mean, he's already got his contract reworked. But when you look at his contract and where it stacks up, not only in the Pac-12, but in the Big 12, I mean, right now, Jed Fish going into the Big 12 is the second lowest paid coach in the conference. The only coach that's making less than him is Gus Malzahn at UCF. Arizona, they're going to be maybe a Big 12 favorite next year. I mean, you look at way too early CFP projections, and Arizona's right there in that mix getting a first-round buy as winners of the Big 12 conference. You can't have a, a coach who is winning ball games and has got the program at a position like this. You can't have them in the lower tier of salaries in the conference. You just can't do that. And Arizona has a decision to make. They got to understand that football is a really big thing right now. Yes, Tommy Lloyd and basketball and all that, like that's going to be, that's going to be you know, at the end of the day, the, the one sport that Arizona will always hang their hat on men's basketball, but football is the ultimate moneymaker when it's all said and done. And if your football program is contending for championships and is winning a lot of ball games, that's going to bring a lot more money to your school. And Jetfish wants to make Arizona a West Coast power. He really does. He doesn't want to go anywhere. This is his first job as a head coach. He's loyal to Arizona because they trusted him enough to lead the program when it was in a very vulnerable state. And he took on that responsibility to turn things around. Now it's time for Arizona to do right by Jed and give him the contract that he wants. Now, the thing is, they he can approve of the numbers that Dave Hickey's throwing out there and President Robert Robbins. But at the end of the day, the Board of Regents, they have to approve of this contract. So the Board of Regents, it's their decision if they want Jed Fish to be fairly compensated. I think he should. Uh, but, man, if – if they don't give him the right money, NFL teams are going to come knocking. Teams that are looking for new head coaches in the college football world are going to come knocking. Like, hey, Jim Harbaugh could very well leave Michigan. J- Jed Fish coached two years at Michigan. You don't think Michigan would give Jed Fish? They wouldn't give Jed Fish a hard look. Arizona, they got they have a very hard decision made to make. Honestly, it's not even that hard of a decision. Gonna say, it's they, not a hard decision. Pony, it's the they right. Just it's the right decision. You just got to pony up and give that man. It might money. be hard to get the money and hard to stomach giving him the money with all the other stuff that's gone on, all the other noise around the university. But it seems like an easy decision to extend this guy and try to give him as much as you can. You're not going to be yeah. able to compete with the NFL. You're not going to be able to compete with Michigan or the SEC. But give him as much as you can and show him that you know you want him to be the coach that you appreciate what he's done and you believe in him going forward, right? Yes, and he, he like I said, he is the kind of guy where he is so appreciative of Arizona for giving him his first head coaching opportunity. But man, if opportunity comes knocking and the opportunity is a step up compared to Arizona money wise and also situation wise, I mean, jet fish would be silly uh, to, to turn that down. So uh, I think really jet fish, he wants to see this all the way through. He wants to see that 2022 recruiting class, play their upperclassmen years, those guys like T-Mac and Jonah Coleman and all them go to the NFL and make their mark. And then we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, I think Jetfish wants to be here for the long term. It's just up to Arizona to make that happen. So it seems to me, Justin, that this entire, you know, Arizona's already proven, you know, it's a unique experience for Arizona football fans where yes, Arizona football fans can have nice things. You know, they have a successful football <laughs> program and it seems like the theme of this off season is, is instead of just always trying to be perpetually building and chasing towards the horizon, the theme of this off season is retention, whether that's trying to re- get retention with Jed fish retention with your assistant uh, staff. And in the age of NIL and you have that 2022 recruiting class it's about retaining those guys that have more freedom and opportunities to to go play elsewhere and and 
and capitalize on that. So is it, I guess, is this, is this, is that the right framing for Arizona fans as they look at this off season where you're, you're not having a lot of, there's, there's not plenty of good playing time available. They want to, they want yeah. stars or they want supplements. And for like the coaching staff, they like who they have. They want to retain them. It's, it's as much about that as building. And it might not be as exciting with like the new shiny toy, but you know, is it about being happy with keeping what you have, like keeping Bill Norton yeah. another off, another season? Like, is that a recruiting win? I think yeah, it is. That's, and... a, that's a huge one. Uh, guys like T-Mac, um, who I think is the best wide receiver in football, not named Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, I know the Washington guys are good, but I mean, T-Mac was insane this year. I'm sure there are plenty of programs around college football that are probably looking at T-Mac and messaging his family or messaging him saying, hey, you come to our school, we got millions of NIL opportunities for you. All you got to do is just come here. Um, I think that T-Mac and his relationship with Noah Fafita uh, really played a big factor here. Um, Also, Jacob Mono and Kean Burnett. If he didn't have those connections, maybe T-Mac would have been gone. Maybe he would have taken an NIL opportunity somewhere else. But he didn't do that. And I I think that keeping T-Mac, keeping Noel Fafita, uh, Jacob Manu, all those guys, keeping these players uh, in the the transfer portal and NIL era, uh, that's big time right there. And I think also the coaches' abilities to develop these players – and prop them up as NFL players also plays a huge factor. And Jetfish has talked about that. Like, you can go to another school and take millions of dollars, take X amount of money, and try to improve your NFL draft stock, but why don't you just double down on your greatness at Arizona and turn into an NFL player? <clears throat> Dorian Singer. Like, Dorian Singer go, went to USC and became the Trojans, what, fifth leading receiver? When at Arizona, he was one of the top receivers in the Pac-12, he made the decision that he thought was best for him. However, he could have been back at Arizona, been a part of an offense that would be one of the best in college football. You know, I think about Dorian Singer, Jacob Cowling, and T-Mac, that, re- that receiving trio with Noah Fafita at quarterback. I mean, Arizona's offense would have been, I mean, they were already good, but they would have been scary good this year had he stayed keeping the the star players and not having a situation like a Dorian Singer this year, um, I think is a major recruiting win. And the culture is in a good place right now. So where players, they want to stay and they want to be a part of it. And I think that Arizona not having transfer portal guys coming in is a positive sign because Arizona, they don't have many scholarship spots open uh, for starting. You know, I think that Jordan Morgan at left tackle, significant loss. Jacob Cowing, one of the best receivers in program history. That's a significant loss. Tanner McLaughlin at tight end. Like, they're losing some key guys here, but they also are grooming players and developing them. Uh, you know, players who are younger that they brought in, and they're going to step up and contend for these starting spots. And here's one thing that I think Arizona fans will feel pretty good about when they think about the unknown and the younger players who are trying to compete for these starting spots left behind superstars. You know, I look at Isaiah Ward at defensive end. That guy wasn't on anybody's radar at the end of the season. Heck, even in the early parts of spring ball, we didn't ever think that Isaiah Ward would crack the depth chart. And the next thing you know, he's making plays late in spring. He's making plays in preseason training camp, and he shot up the depth chart. And all of a sudden he's starting and he's making a big impact. We didn't think that Isaiah Ward would be a thing. Next thing you know, he's starting ball games. So names just randomly pop up that you just don't know about or haven't heard of, and they surprise a lot of people. And I think Arizona has some guys like that in in the wings. Well, and that you know that leads me to want to share what my optimistic take for Arizona as a football program is for you. And Justin, feel free to poke holes on this. Adam and I have talked about this, where a lot of these guys that are, you know. If you can prove, if you can start off that you've proven development and you have developmental type fringe NFL talent guys, the age of NIL and the Arizona's ability to develop is a better investment for those players because they can be competitive on NIL. They're not going to get compete with the big things, but you know, 
you know, a, a, a guy that is a junior that has a chance of a one in 20 chance of getting drafted can make a decent salary, stick around for a senior year and develop a little bit more and increase those chances and still have, you know, a bird in hand, you know, yeah. in, in that sense. And I almost think Arizona can almost be that, like, it's almost like the Villanova basketball model for football, where it's like a lot of developed guys that are mature, that are built out in the program, occasional superstar types that can go to the, you know, they can help get to the league. But you can build a really good football program on that, on a, you know, modest budget compared to, I'm going to throw a big NIL check at a five-star guy that's not going to see the field for three years, and maybe he develops or maybe he doesn't. Am, am I crazy in that logic? No, and, and honestly, that's what Jet Fish is trying to tell these players who are thinking about leaving to go elsewhere. Like, don't go to USC or Oregon or all these other schools just so you can make money for a year and risk falling on the depth chart and being buried, where you can be shown here. And, hey, Jet Fish, he's like, I got a bunch of connections in the NFL. Like, I know a bunch of coaches. Bill Belichick and Zach Taylor and Sean McVay and Pete Carroll, they all come to Tucson once a year and visit. So you have great NFL eyes, people who have coached at the highest level, all stopping through Tucson to watch you. We have scouts every single week who are coming to Arizona to watch you. More, you know, 32 teams and also all the teams in the CFL come to Tucson every single week to watch you play. You're going to have NFL eyes on you. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You're trying to get to the NFL, and that's what Jetfish has brought to Arizona. He's trying to turn it into essentially like an NFL training ground. And, yes, you may not be able to compete NIL-wise with USC and Oregon and Texas and Texas A&M, but you also are investing in a 10-year NFL career. And if you ask any, any football player right now, what would you rather have, a 10-year NFL career or one great year of NIL at, at some random school? They're going to take the NFL career every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Well, with that in mind, is that why this last season was so important? Obviously, they'd like to win 10 games, 11 games, 12 games every season. But to go out there, they're going to get guys drafted, which is huge for this program. Like Jordan Morgan's a possible first-round pick, no worse than the second round. Jacob Cowing, Michael Wiley could get a look. Tanner McLaughlin could get a look you know, in the NFL. But then when you can win, too, like now Arizona has everything that these players could want. Like, no, it's not going to be the best NIL out there, but some NIL, like Brett was saying, you're going to be able to get drafted if you play well because eyes are going to be on you and you can win. Like that used to be everything that Arizona would want to show and say, this is who we are. And that's why the 2023 season, I would think, is so huge for them going forward. Like, yeah, last year was good. Getting to five wins showed that there was progress, but now they've shown legitimately you can come to Tucson, you can win, you could be a top, I guess, 11 team, be in the college football playoff rankings, all that stuff. And when you're in that position, you get a lot of eyes on you. You're playing in the at the biggest stage. You know, a lot, I think about how many people watch the Alamo Bowl on December 28th against Oklahoma. Um, though that kind of attention is very important. And I, I think that the the games that Arizona is going to be playing on in the Big 12 too, you're not going to be buried on the Pac-12 network every single week like they were this past year. The, the new media rights deal that Arizona is going to be a part of, they're going to be on ESPN, they're going to be on Fox. You're going to have millions of eyes on you every single week. That kind of exposure uh, you don't really get often. And I think that's, uh, why Arizona is such in a good place right now. And with the team that they have in place right now, I mean, Jetfish said that they're bringing back 18 of 22 starters. So if you're, you know, a part of that 2022 recruiting class and you're coming back and you're going to have a bigger role and you're going to be a part of a winning team that could be contending for a college football playoff, then the exposure, the eyes on you, if you're productive too, your NFL draft stock is only going to improve. And you look at that 22 class, just up and down. I mean, we're talking about just ultimate NFL guys. I mean, T-Mac, Jonah Savinea, uh, the list goes on and on. Ephesians Price Sock to Cario Davis. You know, those are two cornerbacks right there that any team in college football would love to have on the roster. And I'm sure maybe some teams told them, like, hey, you come here, we'll give you a sweet NIL deal. And Ephesians Price Lock's like, nah, 
I'm good with my IHOP NIL deal and staying at the University of Arizona. And by the way, he's a Cinestat guy. If that matters, I mean, I love Cinestat pancakes. And as, as an IHOP alumnus, for Ephesians to pick those pancakes, my goodness, first round pick in my books. <laughs> I feel like we can't, we can't ask anything more of you now. Like that's the, that's the place to end on pancakes, on tasty pancakes, right? Like, is there anything, there's nothing else to get to. I I was trying to think of a pun or something. I couldn't come up with one, but Brett, you got something for that? Who needs fat stacks of cash in the NFL when you have fat stacks of, of pancakes? Full stacks. That's how you get the big bucks, Brett. (laughs) Justin, it definitely, I mean. Like, we're glad you get a chance to breathe a little bit. Obviously, it was a fun season, I'm sure, to cover. Winning seasons are always fun, especially when they're kind of surprising. But was there anything you look back as we wrap here? we got a couple minutes with you. Yeah. Is there anything that you look back from the 2023 season that kind of stands out as like something that you're going to remember from this team, whether it's a player, whether it's a moment, a coach, a quote, or something? Martel Irby is one of the greatest human beings of all time. Um, the, his post-game interview after the Alamo Bowl – that will be played over and over and over again when you talk about Arizona football history. Um, his story going from um, a, a running back slash defensive back at UCLA to walk on who had to pay his way through. He was working security here in Tucson, Arizona, and working odd jobs to pay his way through and then become a scholarship player and a team captain. Just unbelievable stuff from Martin Irby. One of my favorite stories. And I mean, real quick, I mean, I think that Arizona had such a great season. I mean, they went 10-3, and you know, one of four teams that went at least 10 games in a season. And they also had so much meat left on the bone. I mean, they they lost in overtime to Mississippi State, triple overtime to USC. Those are two games that Arizona could have easily won. And now we're talking about Arizona only having a one-loss team this year, 16 total points and three losses, and you win 10 games. Like, Arizona was legitimately one of the best teams in college football this year, and it could set themselves up for an even uh, more magical 2024 season. So I look back at this year, man, what a wild ride, uh, but I can't wait for the Big 12 year in, in 2024. Yeah, exciting things ahead. Well, Justin Spears, he's a beat reporter for the Tucson Star, covers the Arizona Wildcats. He's the Wildcaster. You can catch him on Spears on Elite from 7 to 9 on ESPN Radio. I'm reading your Twitter bio. It's Again, there's a lot here. Also appreciate a Heisman it. voter. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you can find him on Twitter at Justin Esports. We appreciate the time as always. We know you're a busy guy, but we appreciate the insight, and we'll catch up with you again down the road. Let's get pancakes soon, guys. Sounds good. Well, that's Justin Spears, and when we come back, we'll give you our final thoughts on the 2023 football season. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and always great to have Justin Spears on. Obviously, he was great before he was the Arizona football beat reporter, but with that as – on his resume, as part of his job description, it's even more fun to talk to him, especially after a season like that. Yeah. Also, when you were introducing him, I realized we probably just need to now jokingly give him a new title every time he comes on the show because uh, <laughs> it's easier than recapping everything. But, you know, you it know, might just... end up being accurate, though, with the way he collects like titles. Like at some point, we'll just be like, oh, we're going to so and so just be like, yeah, actually, how'd you know? The unofficial mayor of Tucson, man of the people, <laughs> Justin Spears. No, no but it, like, it's great conversation, though. Yeah, I could talk to him for days. Uh, also, it's just it's a really interesting time in the program. Uh, it, it combined in the confluence of in the age of NIL, uh, Arizona's budgetary issues that maybe are hindering, maybe not, uh, Jed Fish retention, uh, and the most success and the opportunity for sustained success that we just haven't seen. in in Arizona football in a long time. Well, it's like the aftermath of what was that 2023 season as we put a bow on it. It kind of includes the immediate couple of weeks and everything. And I think just Arizona fans probably got used to the last couple of years of just a super active transfer portal where it's like Arizona's bringing guys in. And the problem is, and that's not a problem, but when you listen to that, how Jed Fish, as Justin's mentioned, it says they're bringing back 18 of 22 starters. Like when transfers, especially high-level transfers, go somewhere, the idea is they want to play. And a lot of them want to be, yeah, maybe it's NIL, that's part of it, but most of them just want to play somewhere. They want to be guaranteed that. And Arizona doesn't have a ton of spots to, to offer up. And maybe they, they say to every transfer, like, oh, well, you got to compete. But it's like when Jay and Delora came to Arizona, we knew he was going to be the starter. 
right? Like there was when Jacob right. Cowling transferred to Arizona. We knew he was going to be a starter. Like that exists. You knew Bill Norton was going to have a big role. You thought Justin Flo would have a bigger role. And maybe I know Justin Spears, we didn't talk to him about it, but maybe Flo will next season have a bigger role because it seemed like he was decent when he played to decent to good, but for whatever reason. But regardless, the best transfers generally want that kind of a guarantee. And Arizona's in no position to offer that, which is a good thing. Like that, how, I don't know, I don't follow the Alabama recruiting, but I imagine they're not getting, they're not active in the transfer portal picking up 9, 10, 12 guys that they expect to be key guys every year. They're just not. The teams that did it like a USC last season, it didn't lead to much good. Like the best thing you can do is be a team that just adds a couple of guys here and there, but develops your players, recruits and develops, which Arizona seems to be that team right now. They did, you know, last year's team wasn't built off of transfers, the 10 win team. They were supplemented with transfers, but it wasn't built off the backs of transfers. And I wouldn't expect 2024 to be that either. Yeah. Talent, talent fills a vacuum in a roster, right? In a position group, like the natural tendency is, is for guys to seek playing time and go play. And to your point, even the guys that they've added, you know, they're mostly, you know, guys that have upside have seen the field, but I think most of them have, you know, three, four years left of eligibility. And it's more like a guy who, yeah, you might see snaps, uh, you know, but, and you'll, you'll, if you play well and develop, he'll be a starter in a year or two. Right. And that's, that's really not a bad, it's not a, it's not a sexy strategy in terms of, you know, you know, big stars and, and, and big names out there. But I kind of think it might be the smart strategy, and it, especially if you're well, able to retain the talent you have. It's the only strategy, if we're being honest, because you're not going to you get know. those guys. You don't have the NIL just to overwhelm someone with, like, yeah, well, I'm just getting paid. I don't care what my role is. <laughs> but you have this situation where, like, a couple of years ago, after the 2021 season, you know, they brought in a lot of guys to the transfer portal, and it was mostly Arizona kids coming back home. Some worked out. You know, Gunnar Maldonado worked out. Some didn't. A lot didn't because they were just taking whoever they could get. The following season, Arizona was a little bit more choosy, getting some high-level guys, getting a Delora, getting a Jacob Cowing, right? I'm, there's a couple other guys, Hunter Eccles, who they brought in, you know, who was a, kind of like, you know, the player who was buried on the depth chart at the better program and wanted an opportunity to play somewhere else. Now going into this next offseason, Arizona is not a team that has that need. Like, yeah, you would take any of these great players in the portal. I know they visit with guys because they're bringing them to campus because they would take them if they want to come. You know, Silas Bolden, I know, Oregon State transfer is going to be visiting Arizona. He's predicted to visit Arizona. A couple other guys did and didn't didn't commit. Yeah, Arizona's bringing them on campus because they would be happy to take them. But what are those players looking for? Like, is Arizona going to give them a chance to win games? Yes, that's been proven. But Arizona can't offer, you know, the snap share that they may want. And that happens. Like, that's fine. I'd rather be in this position for Arizona. And that's what the 2023 season did. It showed that Arizona can win, but it also showed that Arizona can win with the players they've got. <laughs> like they're, they're, you're not right. coming in to be the quarterback. Like, does Arizona need to replace a receiver? Yes, but they have a Kevin Green Jr. They have A.J. Jones. They have Malachi Riley, who might be able to step into Jacob Cowing's spot. They have Keon Burnett, who could step into Tanner McLaughlin's spot, right? Like, you know, Raymond Polito is probably the left tackle, I would assume, going into next season. Now, does that mean that Arizona can't upgrade those positions and get more sure things? No. But it does mean that Arizona is not trying to overhaul a roster. They're trying to be, they can be very choosy, they can be very picky, and they can feel confident if they don't land some of these guys that there's options already on the roster who, if they develop properly, could help fill the void. Yeah, I... I, I think everything you're saying there is right, and you're maybe you're talking sense to to me and Arizona fans out there that are panicking <laughs> about like, you know, we're so accustomed to you know the Jedfish off season that is just like, holy crap! But you were not accustomed to the Jedfish regular season that you just had. Yeah, exactly, and that's and that's it's an inflection point where I, that's you know like it's not like some great wisdom thing, but I feel like I landed on that when we we're talking to Justin. It's like. The theme that this when you have a good team, it's about retention mm-hmm. and and building longevity, right? Well, think about I mean, you look at I and I'm trying to think of like the rest of the Big Twelve, like like Washington, right? Who just was in the championship game? Maybe if they get a few holding calls on <laughs> Michigan, maybe has a chance to win. But they're replacing so much from last year's team. They're losing their quarterback. They had to bring in another quarterback who was on the sideline in their game, a transfer quarterback. They're losing most of their receivers, right? I don't know what else they're losing, defensive guys, but they were a great team. They were a great team, and they're replacing so much. Now, Yeah, they have NIL, and they're bringing in a great recruiting class. They'll be fine. Arizona was a very, very good team that, as of now, from the early portal, was not 
forced to replace a lot. Four starters and good players. Key guys, they will miss Jacob Cowan. They'll miss Jordan Morgan. They'll miss Michael Wiley. They'll miss Tanner McLaughlin, right? They'll miss Martell Irby, you know, from defense. They'll miss Taylor Upshaw. Like, they will miss some of these guys. But this is what a real football program does. Now, a year from now, after Arizona loses, you know, T-Mac to go to the NFL and some of these Servite players may be, yeah, then you can be like, oh, no. But that's when Arizona needs to go have a different offseason. But this specific yeah. offseason, based on the season they just had and what they're bringing back, does not lend itself to the bring in all the high-level talent through the transfer portal. It just doesn't. There's a reason why ASU's getting all their players because they won three games and have you know 15 holes to fill in their starting lineup. Arizona does not have that. So why would you expect these players to come to Arizona? They did a year ago, two years ago, because they saw an opportunity for playing time. It's not there right now because the team was so good, and the team that was so good is mostly coming back. Well, and the coaching staff has should have fully earned all of our trust. And like, look at last year and talk about the development of these of these young guys and how you, you know, look at roster construction and how why we should trust Jetfish. You know, ten months ago on this pod, I had the hot take of I'm not sure uh, the room of last uh, a season ago the non Alabo Alamo Bowl season. The singer T-Mac as a freshman and Cowing as a junior was 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 actually better than replace MLC and Singer with a developed uh, T-Mac another year, and I think that proved correct this year, mm-hmm. right? Like MLC didn't put up the numbers as a third receiver uh, in terms of yardage; he was a great blocker, but T-Mac's development he didn't, you know. There, are you going to throw the ball to more T-Mac or MLC in, in, in a, if they're both one-on-one, you're going to throw it to T-Mac. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, that just shows you how you can still be intelligent about your roster, knowing what you have and what you're building in terms of the development there and how do you supplement it? And then, you know, MLC might have a bigger year this season with one more year in the system. I think this coaching staff has earned our trust and they're, those are the kind of smart, you know, the smart roster construction decisions that create sustained success. Well, and as the roster changes and what they do offensively changes, you know, a couple of years ago, they were behind in a lot of games. They were throwing the ball. They could sustain the three receivers that had those monster seasons. This season, they ran the ball better. They had more leads late. They weren't chucking the ball 40 times a game. The defense wasn't giving up a touchdown 30 seconds right. later. Right. So like the offense changes. So someone like MLC, he improved as a blocker. He didn't, there was no, like, I just saw no reports of him complaining about not getting touches. Obviously, they've tried to force a couple. One, I know the touchdown against Colorado where they set up the game-winning field goal. They tried to get MLC a touchdown that game. There was another game earlier in the season where it's like they got down. They're like, okay, they're going to do a – I think he like MLC got down to, like, the two-yard line. Like, okay, you know they're going to give him the ball for the touchdown because he needed one. And, like, the next play was, like, a quick screen to him so he could get the touchdown. Like, it seemed like they took care of him, and he seems happy. Like, winning helps. Like, it's a lot harder to complain about your role when you're winning games. It's like, what are you asking? It's a lot and it's similar. It's a lot harder to complain about Arizona's offseason when they're good. Like, what are they trying? Like, yes, you can always get better players, more good players, but they have plenty of good players. And if you believe in their recruiting classes from the last couple of seasons and the development, then why you feel like they should be okay? And it doesn't mean they will be, right? It's hard to win 10 games. There's nothing that says, but... We talked about, I think, last week, nothing about this season was fluky. Nothing about their 10 wins was fluky. There were some close wins, yes, but it wasn't lucky bounces. It wasn't the other team tripping over themselves at the very end. It wasn't, you know, a, just anything that we've seen before with some of the better Arizona teams. This was just a good football team that made plays down the stretch and won. So that they're going to go into next season as one of the favorites in the Big 12, that it's deserved. I'm curious to see how they handle that. You know, because this is a situation about how they handle it and how Arizona fans handle this because this is uncharted territory for Arizona to not only have a good team, but then have the expectations of being a very good team once again. Like, it's been a long time since that's been the case. Like, how do we handle that? How do people, how do our listeners handle a jetfish offseason that's more quiet because there's not a lot of noise to make? Well, and if there's one thing Arizona fans are and teams are known for, it's handling high expectations well, Adam, <laughs> so we have nothing to worry about. <laughs> oh, man. It's, and, it's, like, it's, it's like, same like yeah. with Geico leaving, right? Like, kind of going into that, where it's like, people, I think if he doesn't go to ASU, people don't care. But I think the fact that he went to ASU shows us where Arizona is compared to ASU. Like, ASU is in a position where they have to take the players who are seeking a bigger role and they have to hope, ASU is hoping, that this player can handle that bigger role and excel in it. 
You know, they are taking Arizona's Hunter Eccles. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hunter Eccles was a four-star prospect, I think, when he went to USC. And Kangaika, I know, was a preferred walk-on for Arizona. Good player. I liked him. I liked him as Arizona's depth. But he did not see a path forward to starting and getting those snaps at Arizona. He sees at ASU. Yeah. Good luck to him. What's Who's who's more important to retain? One more year of Bill Norton or, or two, two more years, years of Kangaika? And maybe, who's to say two years? He stays one more year. Maybe then he leaves, right? If he doesn't... Yeah. If he doesn't have the production or whatever like that, that's the world that Arizona's in. But the fact that Arizona didn't lose key guys, like from the two deeper guys who they're so much going to rely on next season, like this is just where Arizona's at right now. And I do either here for the long term. It's not just a one season, two season thing, but this is where Arizona football is like. This is the new level where they're at least, you know, eight wins every year, but to 10, maybe 11 in a playoff conversation in the Big 12. And if they can sustain that, they're going to have a deep team. I, I forget who it was that I saw they were talking about. I think it might have been our friend of the show, Rob Bowron, uh, about the national championship game on Monday, about how people are like, oh, these teams aren't as good as previous champions were. It's like, no, because they can't be as deep because that depth transfers to other programs. Because it's like the guy who's third string at Washington or Michigan is like, you know what, I want to go be first string somewhere else and play. And they can do that now. Like, that's just their paid. world. Yeah, so <laughs> if, you're, if you're a good team... Like, this is just the reality. This is what you have to deal with. And it's, I'd rather have this in Arizona chasing, like, chasing the guy who they're hoping can surprise people. Look at you Bill know? Norton. He yeah. was one of those guys. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He <laughs> was know? the guy who wanted a bigger role. Somewhere he left the national champion, came to Arizona. Like, it's good to see Arizona be the farm system for the lesser programs, if you will. Like, that's fine. And yes, I'm comfortable staying lesser programs for someone like ASU. Like that's how it that's how it should be. Like that's how you want it to be because that's where college football is. There's the haves and the have nots, and the haves will lose players to the have nots because the haves have players who deserve a chance to play elsewhere. And they're not gonna get on the field there. You know, Ken Geico's yep. a good player. He would have seen the field. If he wants more snaps, he wasn't gonna get him in Tucson, go somewhere you can get him. It's just he went to ASU, so be it. You know. Yeah. And Johnny Nansen but, leaving, like Arizona will be fine. They'll pick up another defensive coordinator. I'm confident in that. I'm curious if it's Dwayne Aquina. Curious if it's going to be a recruiter. I'm curious just where they're going to go. Like, it's interesting. Well, and just as we trust Jed Fish with identifying and developing talent, even like sticking with Gunnar Maldonado, mm-hmm. he stuck with Johnny Nansen when after that first year, a lot, I mean, there were very precious few people that were like, hey, what a great hire this time 12, 12 months ago. Is it, right? is it funny to you, though, too, how Arizona, they've had three seasons with Jed Fish, right? They're about to hire. He's going to go into his fourth season and have his third defensive coordinator. <laughs> like Don Brown gets taken away after the first year when the defense took a step forward but wasn't very good. And then two years later, they're, fine, they're, hiding, they're hiring another defensive coordinator. Like, I mean, I remember this isn't like it's been Desert Swarm. <laughs> like This has just been like... It's, it's better to have even your defensive coordinators hired away than oh, firing yeah. oh, and it's circumstances. one of Marcel Yates like, mid- mid-season. Don Brown is only getting hired by UMass, right? Because he has a connection there. Right. And Johnny Anson's leaving for Texas because Sark and the connection there. Like, it's not like Arizona guys are getting truly poached to be head coaches elsewhere, which would be fine. But I just, you know, Arizona not exactly known for its defense recently. It's going to be on its third defensive coordinator in four seasons because their defensive coordinators have gotten hired away. If, if Arizona and Jed Fish's coaching tree as he's developing it becomes a head coach factory and he sticks at Arizona for even a moderate period of time, we're going to be happy as Arizona football fans. I will say I was interested (laughs) in in Justin talking about Brennan Carroll as a future head coach. Like I know the Carroll name and he's done a great job with the offensive line, but he's not a play caller. And that's not necessarily indicative. Like you don't need to be a play caller to be a head coach. We've seen like in the NFL Harbaugh with the Ravens, he I think was a special teams coordinator. He wasn't a, you know, he wasn't a offensive or defensive coordinator. And he's one of the best head coaches in football and obviously has the family name and the history and all that. So maybe Brennan Carroll has the same vibe where he could be like the executive, like he knows the game, obviously he can coach the game and he just hire play callers. But I am because like, otherwise I don't see another head. I don't even think Johnny Nansen was ready to be a head coach. So it's not like they lost the head coach in waiting. And ideally Jed Fish is around for a long time and it doesn't matter. But I am curious about that. Like it's nice to have another guy who you think could be the head coach on your staff. If something was to happen, you know, if the if the head coach was to leave, you'd like to think there's someone there. You trying to uh, promote a new leadership model, Adam? With Brennan Carroll as head coach? <laughs> I, I'm well, not. And, well, but, but I mean, I'll push back on that. Even in like you know, not every head coach structure play calling needs to be the same. To your point, yeah, I would argue that Jimmy Doherty might be the play caller as an offensive coordinator if you just raise you know keep promoting from within. Up, yeah, yeah, you know, and like Brennan Carroll, I. 
he's a guy that I was a little bit of an eyebrow raised and skeptical of, but he has proven my skepticism was not well founded. Uh, like, look at that O line in terms of how they've developed them, how they've ex- you know executed their plan with that that position group, and you know he has like offensive coordinator in his title, even if he's not the play caller. So he has got some responsibilities there. Um, and that's, that's a, that's a testament to leadership, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. So it's where you want to be. <laughs> like everything about Arizona football is where you want to be. Obviously you'd rather them be champions, but that, you know, they were three wins away, 16 points away from possibly having a chance. At that. Well, they were never going to beat Washington. That one, I mean, it was Noah Fafita's first start. Maybe if they would have played like the, if the Pac-12 championship game had been like it used to be, you know, north versus south, it would have been a whole different vibe for Arizona no matter what because, like, oh, wait, they have a chance to make the championship game. If they would have had a chance to play Washington one more time, I'm not saying Arizona would have beat them, but it would have been fun to see because the way Arizona was playing at the end of the season was something else. They were a different team than they were when they played Washington early, you know. Just they were. and Yeah, no, I uh, agree. Not saying and they would have no, won, but it would have been no. fun to see that matchup. And, but here we are. Arizona has the second longest active winning streak in college football. How about that? We're coming for you, Michigan. We want Big Blue. <laughs> Actually, no, we don't. No, I they think would, yeah. they, would, they would run through us. Yeah, that defensive line was unreal against Washington. <laughs> how many how many first round picks are on that D line? I was watching that game. And I'm just like, did no one in the Pac-12 have a good defensive line? It's like the way they were just wrecking Washington. <laughs> and like Arizona's defensive line was good, but it wasn't like that, you know? Like no. And I don't know if anyone had, like Utah's wasn't like well, that, like it usually Oregon, is. Oregon, maybe, maybe. But they lost to Washington twice, you know? Like, that's what I mean. It's like when we saw, we saw Arizona against Oklahoma even until Arizona changed their offensive line a little bit and still got those, some of the big plays was that their offensive line, which had been pretty good, obviously missing Jordan Morgan and had done some shuffling. But Oklahoma was having their way with Arizona's offensive line. Like, like Arizona's defensive yeah. front was good this year, but there's a whole other level to, like, the really good defensive fronts like Michigan had. Obviously, they're national champs for a reason. But, like, seeing what they did to Washington, like, ooh. Like, like Arizona's was good, but Arizona's was just Pac-12 good. This year it wasn't national champion good. But maybe in the future. Yeah, the, it's... It's just a different level, man, when you get to that top tier on the lines. <laughs> right? It, it is. Like, as good as Arizona's gotten, there is still room to improve there. <laughs> well, I mean, shoot, man. Even, like, that next tier of teams, there's another tier between, like, you know, look at, like, Washington's good line play and Michigan. Or if they were playing Georgia, like, it'd be probably a similar story, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a next, it's a next level. And that's what Arizona's got to get to, right? But it was a really good season, and the Big 12 doesn't really have those types of teams to our knowledge. So there's a reason why Arizona is one of the favorites to win their new conference. So, Brett, I think that probably puts a bow on the 2023 football season. What a season it was. Like, like, think, like five out of five would recommend. You know, that was, that was great. And obviously the offseason is not going to be the same as offseasons past because it, it just can't be and it doesn't need to be. So as long as people are understanding of that, now watch like between now and our next show, Jed Fish like leaves for Michigan after Harbaugh leaves or something like that. Then, then throw all this out the window. But as Justin Spears was saying, like Jed Fish, he wants to be at Arizona. That's the job that they give him the chance, and he wants to make Arizona a power. I'm going to go with that until shown otherwise. By the way, Adam, now that you said five out of five, I feel like we should have both prepared and written a star rating and review. I'll uh, a podcast review for the 2023 football season. I mean, five out of like five stars, a lot of fun. Didn't expect it to be so good, but it ended so strong. You know, would recommend, would happily listen or watch again. You know, something like that. I mean, you could have made it more fun if I didn't put you on the spot like that. But, you know, you're a writer, not a talker. What, what, what was your review? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <That's> the... <laughs> uh, floppy-haired quarterback was a little distracting early in the season. Too many turnovers early. Uh, developed nicely over the course of the season. Five, five, five stars out of five. Would recommend. Wow, that was so much better. So much better than my review. I mean... That's, it ref, that's a reflection well, of tell, your tell you what, like, As we sign off here, of course, you can find us on the social medias at Wildcat Radio AZ. Send us your review. 
Like you're doing like a podcast review for the 2023 Arizona football season. Give us your review. I don't know how many characters you get in that, but give us your you know two, three, four sentence review of Arizona football, and we can we'll share it. I don't know if we're going to share it on the air next week because we're kind of moving on from football, but you know we'll share it on our social media. Like tell us what you think. Like give us, I mean give us your review for our show too on iTunes and you know Spotify after you subscribe, but tweet to us at Wildcat Radio AZ what your review would be for Arizona 2023 football season. That'll be fun. See if people do better than me. It shouldn't I be hard. A, yeah, it's it's a low bar. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but, but yeah, so you can find us there on the social media at Wildcat Radio AZ. As mentioned, you can get us on iTunes, on Spotify. Subscribe to us on both. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We will read that review on the air. Again, that's a review for our show, not for Arizona football. The Arizona football review goes to at Wildcat Radio AZ. But otherwise, we appreciate you listening. We, of course, thank Justin Spears. Do we have a review? We sure do, Adam. Oh, yeah, wow. Okay. I was. It's almost like I did a wind-up there to try to set that up, and you were going to gloss past it. I did. Well, will you lose a review? Brett, do we, ha- we have a review. What, did, what does it say? All right. It says, great podcast from two genuine wildcats from lost underscore and underscore late. Five stars. Adam and Brett genuinely embody the spirit of wildcat fandom bringing an authentic enthusiasm to each episode. Their passion for the subject matter is infectious, and they often have great guests who add valuable insights and perspectives. I listen every week and hope they continue the podcast for years to come. Wow. How about that? Brings a tear to my eye, and I think I almost crossed over that. (laughs) Better than our two reviews of the season, that's for sure. Yeah, no, we should just, every, every week when we just do this part where we say, like, you know, if there's a review, we'll just read that one. Like, if I'm ever feeling bad about myself, I'm going to read that review and just be like, oh, but thank you. No, like, we appreciate that, obviously. Like, you know, whether we leave a review or not, like, we appreciate people listening. You know, we do this for fun. We enjoy Arizona football, Arizona basketball, Arizona Wildcats, and especially when they're winning. But, you know, the podcast is still kind of fun when they're not. You know, it's Arizona Athletics. Like, you got to be able to have some fun with it. Yep. Some of my favorite episodes we did were during the, the dark days, Adam, when nobody was probably listening, talking yeah. about a 20-loss team. Yeah, beer helped. <laughs> I would never do such a thing. Never. This is a podcast. That's not allowed. <laughs> anyway, thank you again to Justin Spears for sharing his insight. Love chatting with him. Thank you all for listening. Whatever happens with Arizona Athletics over the next week, we will talk about. It. We will be doing this again. I forget that we've lost underscore. Uh, lost underscore and underscore late. Lost and late. We will do another show. Don't worry. We're coming back next week. But until then, thank you for listening. And remember to bear down. Bear down.